The Action Network Podcast, named Best Betting Podcast or Radio Show by the Fantasy Sports and Gaming Association, and the number one show for the invested sports fan. Winner, winner, chicken dinner! Four! You got real talent. Don't concentrate on golf. Finally, 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 finally. We'll have been 578 days from the time Tiger Woods tapped in the winning putt of the 2019 Masters until Jack Nicholas and Gary Player get this thing started as the honorary starters on Thursday morning for the 2020 Masters. Finally, if you were counting down the ticks of the clock, it was 50 million seconds. And well, that clock is finally going to uh, hit the triple zeros for Masters Week this week. We are so excited. Welcome to the Action Network podcast, the golf edition, of course. I'm Jason Sobel from Golf Bet. He is Peter Jennings. And as a reminder, we are presented by BetMGM, all odds courtesy of BetMGM, the official odds provider of the Action Network podcast. Hello, Peter. How are you doing? Happy Masters Week. And how freaking excited are you for this thing to finally get going? Jason, uh, happy Masters week. Uh, doing great. was uh, fun watching golf last week. And I think I tweeted out this is the best week of 2020. Uh, I say that with conviction regardless of results. <laughs> I'm uh, so excited to watch a bunch of shots. Sweating the Masters is incredible. And it just, uh, it's going to be great. So pumped and uh, yeah, excited to chat some golf with you. We got a lot of players. And uh, I do think last week actually adds a lot of intrigue this week with Dustin Johnson playing great. And Brooks Kepka also playing well. So uh, we'll dive into a bunch of master stuff. Yeah, and I think that's a great place to start, Peter, because we've already seen Bryson DeChambeau and Colin Morikawa win major championships this year. We've seen John Rahm win a few times. Justin Thomas has played really well. Rory hasn't quite been there, but he's still playing very well. And then all of a sudden, this past week in Houston, we're trying to eliminate players. We're trying to figure out which guys are going to play and, and bring their best stuff to Augusta National. Instead, we're adding more to the list because Dustin Johnson, who had been playing great until a positive test for COVID, uh, missing a few big events on the West Coast, comes out and finishes in a share of second place. Hideki Matsuyama goes up That's really the guy. 63. I, I almost didn't mention him, just trying to keep him on the down low. Matsuyama. Brooks Kepka. I, I don't think you can keep Hideki on the down low right now. Hideki is... Uh, was flying up that leaderboard. And Brooks Kepka shoots a couple of 65s, oh, by the way, on the weekend going into a major, which is completely on brand for Brooks Kepka. So uh, we can start there a little bit where uh, these guys, and you said to Decky already, these guys have, uh, have already impressed us just a few days in advance of the Masters at the Houston Open this past week. And how much weight do you put into how these guys played on the weekend coming into this one? Well, you have to. Uh, recent form is imperative for Masters success, and there's no more recent form than what we saw um, last weekend. So huge bumps to Dustin, uh, big bumps to Matsuyama. Got to give a bump to um, Brooks Kepka too. So top of the board is filled with so many guys. And shout out to uh, Carlos Ortiz. I've gotten dusted this year betting outright. It's just <laughs> overall just haven't had enough on the guys that won, and I fired and had, you know, same story that everyone who bets outright says, oh, I have a bunch of second places, but uh, Ortiz, was, it was nice that, uh, that he finally won. Uh, so I really enjoyed last week, and I think it's very relevant for this week. I, I tweeted out on Sunday evening that it was a shame that Ortiz doesn't get to make that trip straight to Augusta, and I get it. I, I get the rules. I'm not saying you know that uh, anything was wrong with it. I'm just saying that it's always pretty cool when on Sunday evening – the week before the Masters, whether it's been the Houston Open or the Texas Open or whatever event has been before the Masters, if a guy wins who wasn't in the field before, it's like grab the trophy, do a quick interview, and hop on a plane, and the next morning you're driving down Magnolia Lane. I always just think that's such a cool story. We saw that with Corey Connors a few years ago. We've seen that with Jim Herman. I mean, just uh, great stories over the years of players getting into the Masters with that final golden ticket. So would have been cool to see Carlos Ortiz, but he'll he'll be in in April next year, and uh, we will focus more on what's going on this week. So uh, we take a look at the top of that board, and of course DJ is 
right there, maybe just behind Bryson in most books uh, as far as being the favorite. Let's talk a little bit about Bryson. There were reports on Monday from the golf course that he will not, uh, as opposed to what he has said previously, he will not be using that 48-inch driver and uh, presumably trying to hit it 400 yards or other reports. Uh, uh, Ryan Lavner, my buddy from Golf Channel, said that he was hitting it 20 yards past his playing partners on a regular basis. And that's impressive, but I don't know that that's enough to make me say, wow, Bryson's just going to break Augusta National this week. So he is, uh, for me, uh, one of my big fa- biggest fades of the week. And I just think there are uh, players, it's a second-shot golf course. There are players that I like with irons and wedges in their hands a lot better than I like Bryson this week. So uh, why don't we start, start at the top and talk a little Bryson, kind of work our way down. Yeah, Bryson's obviously the hardest guy to predict. Um, I was wrong and, and didn't have Bryson at the U.S. Open, and that strategy worked really well. And, uh, you know, understanding that no one's going to hit the fairway, rather be in the rough from 60, 70 yards than whatever mm-hmm. farther back. Um, this week, you know, there's reports talking about where he's hitting it, the, some of the lines he's taking. Uh, I've mentioned it multiple times, but hearing Jordan Spieth talk about how Bryson's going to be able to attack the golf course certainly is going to give him a big layup. There's some landing areas with his carry uh, that are really, really wide and great places to attack the golf course. So um, the way he hits it, how high he hits it, I think he's going to gain a ton of strokes off the tee. Now, can he gain enough on approach and around the greens and on the greens to, to win this thing and be, you know, a seven to one favorite like he is in the markets, eight to one, maybe uh, that's probably too rich for me. Um, so I don't know. He's the most expensive guy in DFS. Certainly really scary fading him completely. But, uh, yeah, you can make the argument against him or you certainly can make it for him and that he's going to play the golf course in a different way than anyone else ever has. You mentioned something off the top there that I want to react to. You said that Bryson is the most unpredictable player coming into this tournament. Do you really think so? Not the most – I mean, I think he's the hardest to predict of the top. Hardest to predict. Well, okay. Most unpredictable and hardest to predict are pretty much the same thing, Pete. Go to the go to the top ten guys throughout the board. I feel much better about the numbers I have for those guys in relative order, um, and 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 how much of an order versus Bryson. I will like, take I Rory McIlroy as my most unpredictable or hardest to predict player, whichever you so choose. I, I, think, I just think that there is a huge volatility uh, for Rory. I think that Rory can go out and win this golf tournament by five shots and win that career Grand Slam and clinch everything he's been playing for for the last handful of years, or uh, he can go out there and just lay an egg uh, like he did at the Open Championship last year. I know he played well on Friday, but hit his first ball OB in his hometown at Portrush. I, um, I, I really think there's a, a lot of different scenarios that can happen for Rory. So, I mean, if hey, we're just talking about and, – and I like him. I, I go, do like Rory, to, uh, but if we're just, if we're quick, just talking about unpredictability, Rory's at the top of my here's list. Here's a crazy stat for you. So, on, on Rory's game card on, on DraftKings, how many cuts do you think he's missed? Of, I mean, going back through the last season? Yeah, like a lot of them have like 16, 18, 22. Rory has 18 events. DeChambeau is 22. Events. Justin Thomas. So what, what do you think DraftKings says for Rory made cuts? Well, I, I mean, it's not a matter of what DraftKings says. I, they usually combine the PGA Tour and European Tour, although not that he's played much overseas. So I would say 16, 17 made cuts. 18 of 18 made cuts. 18 of 18. And okay. he's been wildly disappointing, right? Yeah. Yeah, And that's what made Rory so special uh, in the 2019 golf season, which I have said is the most impressive golf season we've seen outside of peak Tiger in the modern era. So mm-hmm. Rory is notoriously consistent, actually. This year his volatility is high, and I understand what you're saying. We haven't seen him near the top at all. He's just kind of been making the cut and then, you know, pitters around around the weekend, makes some big numbers, has like a bad stretch of four or five holes, and he's not contending. So it's, it's interesting to me, and I, I certainly like Rory. How would you rank DJ, Rory, Rom, JT? Okay, so it's not how would I rank them. It's how have I ranked them because That's I've got a piece up on the Action Network no, already. I have not only ranked the field, Pete, as I always do, but I have listed a best bet for all 92 players in the field. I was actually kind of proud of this one. I wasn't sure how I was going to get through it once I got up to like – He's grinding, 70. folks. He is grinding. Oh. But, yeah, this one took me a while. I'm kind of proud of it. I've got some interesting bets in there for some of the guys. Some of the guys, the bets I found for these guys, I'm like, man, I really like it. Some of these bets, like, top 20 
after round one and guys are like decent players who are like plus 500 plus 550 i was like wow that's actually a really good number for that kind of bet where you only have to beat 22 percent of the field because there's only 92 guys playing this week so in any case i i can give you those names in order those I, I believe four names. I've been talking long enough that I, I've forgotten exactly who you've given me there. Oh, the top uh, five I, players outside of uh, Bryson, basically. Okay, so I've got them all right at the top there. I, I've got JT as number one on my list. He's my favorite play this week, my favorite outright. Uh, he's basically the best iron player and wedge player in the world. He's been uh, – this is a second-shot golf course, and he has been the best second-shot player over the last three seasons on the PGA Tour. He's been – Top four in strokes gained on approach shots the last three years, and he was number one this past season. I just think his game fits this course better than anybody else's. That said, I've got John Rahm at number four on my list. By the way, Patrick Reed, number two, Tony Finau, number three. All right. Uh, not guys at it. Totally. Well, out you're, of nowhere, you're not but, just taking the chalk, and I like both yeah, of those. Yeah, exactly. You know, you can't just, when you're doing this stuff, you can't just list the official world golf ranking in order. So you've got to take a little chance there. Uh, John Robb, number four, Dustin Johnson, number five, Rory McIlroy, number six. So they're all right there. All right. I believe I like Xander Shoffley right after him. I would take JT maybe last out of that group, even though I love Whoa. JT. Just Whoa. because I love – I mean, I love JT. And, and to your point about the approach, one thing JT does incredibly well that should play big this week and is a huge favor for him in general at the Masters is he can control his trajectory – as well as anyone, which shows mm -hmm. up in the stats, right? So he can hit those little – I mean, I, I'm super jealous. I mean, I've all his game. But, like, just watching him just have that smooth, effortless – like, he really, really hits great, like, 60 to 90-yard wedge shots. I think he's incredible at that. Obviously, with the long irons, he can hoist them up really high. Um, so there's a reason he's number one, and I agree with all that. However, man, DJ, Rom, and Rory, and I think the – I think most people would take JT over Rory, but – I saw some reports. Rory, you know, is this new distance thing? Is he going to try it out this week? And I, I think he's going to. Um, I just – It's a I perfect course it. for him. Oh, perfect course for Rory? Absolutely. He can hit it I, so high so he can take those same lines over the trees that Bryson is. And we saw a couple weeks ago those low 190s, you know, ball speeds. I wouldn't be surprised if Rory's found like 195, 196 and might bust them out with the adrenaline going at the Masters. This is the ultimate man versus machine argument that we go through all the time in trying to analyze and prognosticate the world of golf because I think we can look at the data, we look at the analytics, and we say, man, this should be great for Rory. It's right up his alley. I mean, it couldn't build a more perfect golf course and perfect conditions, it being rainy and soft. I mean, it's just all uh, centered around something that would fit Rory. And then, then you have to look at the human element. I can't quite believe you still have not taken into account the human factor. You have to look beyond the analytics and you have to look at what Rory is going through, what he goes through every single year at Augusta. I like what he's saying right now. He told Bob Harrig of ESPN that he is uh, bringing his wife and, and young daughter to this golf tournament, her first golf tournament she will have been to and keeps his mind loose and doesn't have to focus as much on, on the event itself. I wonder if Rory's just trying too hard. He's trying to give a reason why he might not be thinking about it as much and might not be uh, completely and wholly focused on just trying to win this golf tournament. I don't know. I've seen Rory in the past almost sort of talk himself out of overly thinking about a golf tournament and just, you know, it, it almost works as reverse psychology against him. So I don't know what the right answer to it is, but the analytics say, uh, fire Rory, and he looks great for this one. And the human element says uh, he's chasing history, and it has not been kind to him over the last few years. No, and mentally, that's totally right. I mean, for someone who's accomplished everything in golf, and I mean, no one has a perfect life, but Rory has basically achieved everything, has generational wealth, um, you know, has a family, peers, like, and uh, in terms of legacy. I mean, he's not Tiger Woods or Jack Nicklaus, but you can compare Rory's career, especially now, versus anybody. And the one thing missing that would really catapult him, and he knows it and everyone talks about it, is the Masters. So I get it. It's probably tough to deal with, and that is absolutely in zero of the analytics. And clearly, based on the re results, it's impacting him. So um, DJ, 
uh, I think gains the most from last week. Rom, best player in the world. So all those guys are good picks, and I have no clue how it's going to shake out in DFS ownership this week. I actually think Kepka might have gained the most last week. Kepka throwing up a little 65-65 on the weekend right before May. When we're, we're sitting there, you know, two months ago, two weeks ago, almost two days ago before we taped it. If you had mentioned Brooks Kepka's name, he'd be like, nah, this is, I mean, okay, he can win more majors at some point. But all of a sudden, before we get to uh, another major championship, and he goes out there and fires a couple of good rounds, and we're sitting here going, I, I don't know. Maybe he's just going to do it again. He just shows up at the majors and says, hey, I want to play good golf now. So, okay, here I go, and I'm going to go out and win. I, I just – I wouldn't put it past him. Uh, my favorite bet on Kepka is a wait and see. Uh, if he gets off to a little bit of a sluggish start and kind of just falls beyond, behind by a couple of shots, I think we can look at Kepka as a live outright. I don't love the number on him. He dropped to about 17 to 1, I believe, in, in most of the books, which – uh, it's just too low for me on a guy that hasn't been consistent lately. But if you can get him at a 28 to one, a 30 to one, if he comes out, you know, makes a couple of bogeys earlier, makes a couple of pars when other guys are making birdies. I don't mind that whatsoever. I'm fading. I'm, I think I'm fading Brooks at that number only. I, I get it, but, and maybe I'm, maybe I'm just totally wrong. Um, but I think I'm at the current price. I agree with you. He should improve. But the rate at which his market moved mm-hmm. is made him too expensive for me. Kind of like the I, Bryson situation. I, completely. I, I completely agree with that. I am not chasing the number that he is at right now pre-tournament. But uh, if that moves, you know, if Thursday afternoon Brooks is even par and the lead is seven under and all of a sudden he's dropped to 30, 35 to one somewhere in there, uh, yeah, fire away on Brooks because he's shown that he can get right back in it really, really quickly. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's what's great about golf right now. We have so many guys. Uh, I'll go into the – So many. I mean, we haven't talked about other guys at the top of the board. Yeah. Xander, Matsuyama, Finau, Patrick Reed, Cantlay, Terrell Hatton, who's a top ten player in the world, yeah. Webb Simpson. Adam Scott played well at times, made a lot of double bogeys last week. But, I mean, I guess he's kind of at the bottom of that tier. Bubba Watson, who I love this week. Love Bubba. Uh, tier 1B, talk to me about some guys you like. I, literally every guy you just mentioned there, I really, really like this week. I think I've got all of them top 15 or 16 other than Adam Scott. Adam Scott, I've dropped a little bit more. Um, I, I still just don't think his game is quite there yet, but Tyrrell Hatton's played better than almost anybody else in the world over the last 12 months. Patrick Cantley's coming off a win in his last start. Uh, Patrick Reed has been fantastic. He's got four straight, I believe, 14th place finishes or better. Bubba Watson has... Uh, two straight, seventh and a fourth in his last two starts against really good fields and obviously loves playing Augusta National. Um, Xander Shoffley just love him at every single major. He's finished top 10 at more majors than he hasn't finished top 10. So you start looking at this list and you're like, this is the one B tier? Like, you know, these are the guys who aren't good enough to be amongst the favorites. I mean, that, it just goes to show how deep these fields are right yeah. now and how many great players there are because, quite frankly – if you had had uh, a Patrick Cantley, a Tyrrell Hatton playing the way he is right now uh, 15 years ago, you would have still had Tiger. Tiger still would have been at the top. And maybe Phil's right that th- these guys would have been the third or fourth best player in the world for a prolonged basis. And yeah. right now these guys are like not even in the top tier, which is just unbelievably ridiculous. The fact that there are so many great players out there right now. Yeah. And I think uh... – all those guys have a chance to win. I think tier one is definitely going to have the winner. Um, like, I mean, you could go through and, and take the odds. And I, there's some guys I like longer, but I feel very, very confident, like a huge percentage of the time, 80% plus, that the winner comes out of this top tier. You know, I feel like it's, it's almost like a football game. Like, you know, hey, it's the Super Bowl. Like, leave it all out there on the field. Not that, you know, and I, I know that people sit there and think, well, when the Masters is usually in April, they're trying everything they can to win the Masters in April, too. And I, I get that. And that's true. But they also know in the back of their mind, hey, I've got three more majors this year. I've got a long year coming. I've got a lot of stuff that's going to happen. And if I don't win the Masters, I could still kind of make up for it on the back end. This one being in November, I mean, most of these guys are not playing at all or just not playing much 
following this, this event for the next two months or so, this is one of those leave it all out there on the field kind of events. It's like, you know, just it, go out there and put everything, every ounce of energy you've got into this one because you've got plenty of time to sit around your house afterwards and recover from it. Yeah. A um, couple notes on those guys. Uh, I, I heard I had a buddy go to Augusta with a member. Group behind him was Rom and Patrick Reed last week. John Rom made a hole in one, I believe, today, um, which I love to see. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, of those names, love Patrick Reed. Matsuyama's coming in with great form. Watch out for his ball striking. I think it sets up extremely well for him. And then, I mean, I like all the names too, but special bump up for Bubba Watson for me, who yeah. uh, he's got the recipe going that I like to see. And I think this favors both Matsuyama and Bubba that at Augusta putting, you just need to avoid three putts. Uh, it's tough to putt around there. The kind of dying around the hole type of putters that those guys are, I think sets up really well. So they don't hold a lot of putts in traditional tournaments, which kind of keeps them back, especially Bubba this year. I mean, he's top five in basically every ball striking category and like dead last in putting. Yeah. Uh, so I love both those guys in this tier. As we move past that, I think the guy I'm most interested in, there's a couple guys. We didn't mention Morikawa either, who's definitely in that range. Uh, I'm, I'm off Morikawa personally, but yep. uh, wouldn't surprise me. One of the best iron players, but there's a lot of reasons, uh, less experience, et cetera. Um, the next year, I want your opinion on a couple guys. I think Paul Casey is interesting. I think mm -hmm. Adam Scott's at the top of the tier. I think he's right there. Justin Rose, Louis Oosthuizen. Um, you can throw in some other names, like a Tommy Fleetwood, maybe a Shane Lowry or something. Who out of, like, the old, like, premier studs who's got, who have good history? Like, Justin Rose is some of the best history ever at Augusta. Justin uh, Rose is gaining steam for me. That's exactly the name that I was going to say. I, I used your term in my piece today. I said win equity for Justin right. Rose. And, and that's uh, a term that you use pretty often. And it doesn't necessarily mean and I have Justin Rose, I think, 22nd or something like that on my list of all 92 players. But I said the best bet on him this week is an outright bet because I think there's a ton of value. You get him about 80 to 1 right now, which I think is a great number on a guy who has seriously contended and maybe should have won back in 2017. Oh, by the way, we talked about strokes gained approach. He led the field in strokes gained approach that year before losing to Sergio. So uh, Justin Rose is a guy who hasn't played his best golf, but I still think that he's trending in the right direction, 17th in his last start. And, and him, to me, there's, like I said, win equity. He's a guy, not all the guys who are 80 to one or 70 to 100 to one this week, can win this golf tournament, him at 80 to one can win this golf tournament. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's a pretty fair price uh, on Justin Rose. He's moved in some books big time to like 30, 40 to one. Oh, really? Interesting. Wow. Uh, okay. There were some longer numbers out there, but the market is saying they agree with Justin Rose. Forgot to mention Webb Simpson in tier one B just shows how many really good players there are. Yeah. Uh, we might've missed a couple others there too. Uh, with you on Rose, that's probably the guy I'm most bullish on. Love Louis Oostazen coming in here. And then a guy who's certainly in this tier, especially with his overall play, uh, didn't like his comments on Bryson, but Matthew Fitzpatrick uh, is a much better golfer than where he's priced in the markets. And I believe he has pretty good history. Um, I actually just have dug into the history stuff. I know certain guys have really good history, and, and I have a number attached to everyone. Uh, my number for Fitzpatrick on history is pretty good. So here are, I'll give you two things on Fitzpatrick that have me sort of off him just a little bit this week. And I like him a lot. I really like his game, but he has missed the cut in both majors so far this year. Um, that doesn't help. And the other part is that he tends to play better at tough golf courses, tough yeah. conditions. And I just think it's going to be easier this week. I, I think we're going to see some well. numbers being shot, but in this soft uh, length right. doesn't matter. It's going to play long, big deal. These guys are all long these days. But playing soft, I, I just think we're going to see a lot of birdies out there. If this was a, if the wind was howling, if this was going to be a really brutal kind of week, I would say, you know, hey, if seven under is going to win this thing, I like Matt Fitzpatrick a lot more than if 16 under is going to win this thing. And I think it's going to be the latter. His best finish, to your point, was in 2016 where he finished even and finished T7. That was the same year Bernard Longer was like right there going mm -hmm. into Sunday, which shows kind of how tough uh, the course was. I mean – Bruno Longer can make a lot of pars, um, and this is 2016, so he's getting older by the day, obviously. But, uh, yeah, he basically was able to survive making pars. He's not going to be able to compete when guys are going out and making a bunch of birdies. We did not mention Scotty Scheffler at all. 
He has not been great since his return from COVID. Before he was uh, knocked out uh, the U.S. Open, he was playing great. He had finishes, I think, three top four finishes uh, in the playoffs in a WGC event and in the Tour Championship. He was really rolling, played really well in the PGA, missed the U.S. Open, of course, and then really hasn't quite gotten it back yet, but I still think he's a tremendous player, at least – Top debutant. I always think debutant sounds like he's going to be, you know, dressed up for the ball. And, uh, you know, he's, it's a little too swanky a word. I, I'd rather see top rookie or top first-timer. But if the books have top debutant, I like Scotty Scheffler for Scott. Top debutant this week. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe this is correct. I'm bearish on Morikawa, Wolf, and Scheffler because I believe it's all of their first masters. It is, and I don't think that bothers me that much. Uh, I'm bearish on on Morikawa. I'm okay on Wolf. I like Scheffler. But I think a November Masters, I think this year, um, because it's going to be a little bit different and the course is going to play a little bit different, I don't think experience is as much of an advantage as it's been in the past in April. Okay. History says that uh, it matters, but it's never been played in November. So there there you go. go. However you want to – that is an unknown, and I think that is, uh, you know, I'm tr- I'm struggling with how much to weight that, right? So yeah. those three guys currently, with my current ranking of how much experience in history matters, I am bearish relative to the market. Oh. Uh, ch- cheap guys. Yes. Let's move lower. Okay. There's a couple. The, the, most, the most interesting guy that I want your opinion on, especially on DraftKings now, because you tweeted out something really interesting about strokes gained on Sunday tee to green. And Francesco Molinari – he is 6,700 on DraftKings. I think he was like 9K going in last, like low nines last year uh, or two years when Tiger won because he was in that final group with Tiger, Kepka, and, and uh, Francesco, right? Yeah. I yeah. believe that's correct. Uh, uh, Tiger, Finau, and Francesco. Tiger, Finau, and Francesco. And Brooks was the group ahead, and then Tiger correct. saw Brooks. Is, yeah, sorry. Yep. Trying to put this all together a year and a half ago now. Um, <laughs> Francesco – has been playing bad after playing like he, he found something and became like an elite golfer, or at least like right up there and he's fallen off, but a little bit of hope. What do you think about his DraftKings price? 6,700. I like that. I think there's a lot of value on Francesco at that number. I, I think that he can go out there and play well. I just, I don't know if he can sustain it. I, I see Francesco as a guy that could be top 20, maybe even top 10 through two rounds. I just don't know that he's got four full good rounds in him after we really haven't seen him playing that much and certainly playing at a level that it's going to take uh, against the best players in the world and the biggest tournament of the world. So um, I I like him. I I think that if you just need a guy at the bottom of the lineup to make the cut and get you some birdies, I I like Francesco there. Um, There are probably some other players that I like just about as much or, or maybe a little bit more than him right around that number. So, I mean, I can start throwing out some other ones. Uh, Sebastian Munoz has played well this year, uh, a ball striker. And then I can't believe you haven't mentioned, because another guy that was on that list as far as uh, final round ball striking stats from Houston, your boy from Canada, Corey Connors. Of course. Yeah, you named all the guys I like. Classic. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I mean, guys I really like at the bottom, Connors, Kokrak, and uh, we were just talking about Connors, Kokrak, and Munoz, especially yeah. Munoz. Those three guys I'm very interested in. I, um, I might throw a Lonto Griffin and a JT Poston at the end of there, too. Love Poston. Uh, Lonto is a little more expensive, but I like him, too. Okay. Does Corey Connors have history? I don't believe so, right? Yeah, he's played twice before. Got in, uh, played as an amateur, and then got in right after winning the Texas Open as a Monday qualifier. So he made the cut that year, but um, yeah, I have a that whole whirlwind didn't play been. great. So Negative um, number I've seen, yes. T7, yeah. 19, yeah. finished even. But he has played twice. So, you know, he, he's got a little experience on this golf course. Okay. Yeah, those guys are all really interesting. Let's talk oldies, but maybe interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. Kevin Na, first off, uh, was on Instagram talking about a bad back. I'm not interested in Kevin I, Na. I wasn't interested in Na to begin with. Okay. Right. Okay. Let me give you three guys who – I'll give you two previous Masters winners. I'll give you, I have four guys, actually. Schwartzel, Zach Johnson, Lee Westwood, and Kucher. Thoughts on all four? Okay. Uh, one of those guys I really like. Zach Johnson. See if you, no. 
Lee Westwood. I've been on oh, Lee Westwood. Duh, duh. You always like I have, I have liked Lee Westwood all year. Uh, Lee is it like, again, I'm going human element over analytics, but I remember talking to Lee a few times earlier this year. I, I talked to him a couple times at the Honda Classic, and he just like, he had this different demeanor, this different attitude around everything he was saying. And I said it to him. I said, like, you, you just seem different than you used to be. Like, you seem like you're happier. And he goes, yeah, I am happy. He's like, I, if I want to play, I play. If I don't want to play, I don't play. I basically don't do anything that I don't want to do, and I do everything that I do want to do, and it makes me a happy person, and being a happy person makes me play better golf, and that's why I'm playing well. And I'm like, well, that all seems really easy, and so I'm glad you figured it out. I'm glad it took you 20 years to get there, but uh, Lee Westwood, I think, is just in the right frame of mind to be playing good golf these days, and so I like him a lot. I would put of those guys probably Zach Johnson second just because he can grind it out. His bogey avoidance on the PGA Tour last year ranked fourth, and so uh, I just like the fact that he can get his ball around the golf course and not make too many mistakes. Uh, I get Kuchar, Schwartzel, Kuchar, Schwartzel. Uh, I, I don't really want either one of them anywhere. But Ooh, um, we yeah, disagree. I, I like Schwartzel over Schwartzel. You like Schwartzel? I like Schwartzel. Just just betting wise, uh, he's. What is his price in DraftKings? He's uh, 6,500. I think he's fine. Betting markets, I mean, I don't mind a top 20 bet on Schwartzel. He's starting to play pretty good again. And Schwartzel, for those out there that are working on their golf game, I've worked a lot of my golf game and I still suck. But if I could have a swing, give me Schwartzel. I, he's, he's near the top of the list for me. You're not even taking the right buddy from South Africa. You're supposed to take Louis Oustazen when you talk Louis about having the best swing. swing. But from I mean, a technical, like if you're working on like Position. Even Schwartzel doesn't want Schwartzel's swing. He'd rather have Louis's swing. Yeah, you're probably <laughs> right about that. Schwartzel has a really good swing, though. I'm telling you. I, I, I've watched a lot of Schwartzel film. Hasn't translated, but maybe I'll watch some more. But I, I think he has a beautiful golf swing. Great ball strikers. Obviously one here. Uh, and he's trending. I, I mean, he's cheap for a reason. I don't expect him to, to win. But a top 20 bet, don't hate it. By the way, speaking of players who are at 6,500 on DraftKings, and we'll get more into sort of – uh, DFS theory in just a little bit, but there's a guy there who's ranked ahead of Jason Day and Bubba Watson in the official world golf ranking, and who I can't imagine the masses are going to be Peter? on. And Victor Perez, oh, that's right. ranked 36 in the world. Right. Not on my rate. I, I do. I want Victor Perez. No, not really. But you know what? No one else wants Victor Perez this week either, and he's Good. proven that. He's at least good enough to be better than those guys in the world ranking. Not that the world ranking is a be-all, end-all kind of stat, but he has proven that he can at least play at this level. And so if you're looking at these big contests, these GPPs where you can win a whole lot of money this week and you just want to be a little different and be a little contrarian, a guy like Victor Perez is going to win somebody a lot of money. I'm not saying it is Victor Perez. I'm just saying a guy like Victor Perez, Christian Bezweidenheit, a guy like that is going to win someone a lot of money this week. Okay. I don't mind both those picks. Uh, I would go with like Munoz or uh, Connors or Kokrak or something like that. If I had to pick someone, if I'm going to go even more contrarian, I like Poston, who you brought up earlier, 6,300. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of recreational money out there. I mean, Poston will probably come in like 5% on, but. Poston can get it going, uh, especially with that flat stick. He's, I mean, he's a Southeast guy. He, he grew yeah. up in North Carolina. He lives in Georgia. I just think being at Augusta is going to be a very comfortable surrounding for him. And by the way, shout out to Poston's caddy, Aaron Fleener, who did a fantastic job with his song with, uh, with Sam Harrop, uh, our, our friend from England, who we've had on the podcast before. But uh, they put together a song, Stroll Around Augusta, which is all over social, social media. And oh, uh, like Aaron can sing. Like, serious thing. I mean, it's like, it sounds like if you put on the country station uh, on your local radio station and, and, and listen to the song, you'd be like, yeah, that just kind of fits in. That's really good. And so it, it is some, some really cool stuff by the two of them. Yeah, no, that's great. 
Hope you're enjoying this great Action Network podcast. I want to make sure you know about the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On has a daily podcast on your favorite team. Welcome to you, Locked On 49ers. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. Let's go. Locked On podcasts are hosted by the local experts who know your team better than anyone and give you the inside scoop. So go to your podcast app and search Locked On, your favorite team. Subscribe to your Locked On podcast. Well, stay on Masters. I have the usual five questions for you, Jason. You ready? Five questions. Before we do our DFS lineup, five questions. All right, you mentioned you're fading Bryson. Outside mm-hmm. of Bryson, who would you say your biggest fade is this week from a betting perspective, DFS perspective, top 20-ish guy? Probably Colin Morikawa. Colin Morikawa did not play great in his last few starts on the West Coast. Basically, he's a West Coast guy. If he's not playing well on the West Coast, I don't think he's bringing it to the East Coast is how, how I kind of look at this. And he just seems, I don't know, just I'm trying to read something. I watched his press conference on Monday afternoon, and he just seems a little tired. And, and look, I get that this kind of goes against everything I've been saying because I keep talking about Augusta National being a second-shot golf course, and Colin Morikawa is one of the best iron players in the world, and it should line up, and maybe it will line up, but I, I am fading Morikawa this week. All right, I'm with you on Morikawa, even though he's one of my favorite guys. Best approach, but uh, too expensive for me. Number two, who do you think you're going to have the most of in your DFS lineups? It's not your favorite to win. It's just who do you think you have the most of in your DFS lineups? Might be Tony Finau. All right, well, we'll we'll be able to look you up in the Fantasy Labs contest dashboard. I will put it this way, that Tony Finau at 8,800, I just feel like you can do a lot more with than Bubba at 9,000, Reed at 9,200, even though those numbers are all really close together. You like those guys. And remember, Finau competed one of the best rounds ever at Augusta the day after he freaking dislocated his ankle in, a par, in the par three after a hole-in-one, mind you, and then competes the next day. Everyone thought he was going to draw, and he played awesome. Really interesting from a DFS perspective uh, after that injury. Okay. This is my favorite thing about the Masters. Okay. I have a problem, and it, it's just it, – when I look back on my life, I'll probably regret – when I'm, you know, in my deathbed, I'll probably be like, man, I spent a lot of time on the PGA Tour app just, like, sweating what the thing's going to tell me. Like, next shot, oh, 242 yards to left fairway, 20 yards to the green on a par five. I, yeah. I've sweated way too much of Shot Tracker. You don't have to do that at Augusta. You can watch every shot of every golfer. It is by far the best – sweating experience for me in all sports by far. I mean, I love golf, but what Augusta does or what the masters, the technology they have, you can literally watch every shot. I think I'm going to watch every shot of a lot of golfers given the action and just everything I have going on with the masters. You're a golf fan. How many golfers do you think you'll watch every shot of? Honestly, probably not many. I mean, I will watch as much as I can watch. I've got the iPad. I've got the laptop. I've got a phone. I've got the TV. They're all on different That's what channels. I'm going to have. <laughs> I can't. It, my brain will explode. All right. Next two questions are more fun, less, uh, less about betting DFS, um, more about you, Jason. Okay. You can go to the Masters and watch all four days. You can have mm-hmm. Berkman's Place. You can be following the best group. You get to do whatever you want. Like, you literally just get to go around and do whatever you want at the Masters with one person. Who would you choose? I've got a lot of buddies named Matt, so I'm going to bring somebody named Matt. Okay, give us give us like a celebrity, like Michael Jordan might be an answer. Oh, okay. So Billy Walsh. I probably would have told you Tom Brady, but uh, as a Pats fan, I, I I've re- renounced Tom Brady. So yeah, okay, Tom Brady, I guess. Okay, we got to nerd out over this <laughs> last question. If you were to go out and you were playing the Masters, Jason Sobel, somehow I just magically you qualify. Mid am champion. Mid am champ. Yep. Exactly. You're the mid-am champ. I mean, you're drawing completely mm-hmm. dead. No offense. Uh, we all are. Um, that's insanely good to be that good. But you don't get cut. You just you get to play four days. Same tees as the pros. What do you shoot over four days? So I have played Augusta National yeah. before, by the way, which is I feel like I'm going for the least embarrassing situation possible. And so instead of like, hey, let me try to hit this hero shot through the trees where I do that, it's like I'm punching out, I'm laying up. And I am a, what day is it? I'm like a 5.9 or a 6.1 handicap or something right around index, there. Index, right? Um, index, yeah. So I, I feel like I could keep it right around triple digits per day and maybe just a little bit under. Oh, you think you shouldn't like the high 90s? Yeah. No, you shoot under that. My line for you is like 360. 
That's bogey golf. Again, we're factoring in the human element. I'm going to compare myself to Rory McIlroy. We talked about Rory, the human element, and trying to go win that first Masters. You've allowed no time for analysis or decision-making. Yeah, I will take 399 and a half and try to hit the under. Yeah, 399 and a half. You can definitely break 100 every day, I think. I'd get nervous. NFL season is upon us, and our friends at BetMGM Sports are offering Action Network podcast listeners a great sign-up offer. Just make your first deposit using the bonus code ACTIONPOD and receive a 100% deposit match up to $500. They've got parlay bonus payouts, live betting markets, daily odds boosts, all sorts of great stuff. So download the BetMGM app today or visit BetMGM.com to sign up and use the code ACTIONPOD to double your bankroll with a 100% deposit match up to $500. As a reminder, you must be 21 or older and physically located in the great states of Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Nevada, or West Virginia. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey and West Virginia, or 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promo offer not available in Nevada. And now, back to the show. Uh, that was great, and now we're going to do our ultimate DFS lineup for the Masters. We can wait a year and a half for this. This is fantastic. Uh, but first, we are extremely excited to announce the Action Pods Tournament of Champions presented by BetMGM is now live. This is a free weekly Yahoo DFS tournament specifically for our podcast listeners, and you can join by simply clicking on the link in our episode description. The top 10 finishers each week receive $1,000 worth of Action Network prizes in the top five punch their ticket to the wildcard weekend grand finale where they will compete for the grand prize of Vegas trip for two valued at over $5,000 courtesy of bet MGM. Again, listeners can join this tournament every week of the NFL regular season. Just click on the link in our episode description. And now we get to our ultimate DFS lineup. But before we get there, Peter, I want to ask you about sort of DFS tournament theory. For the Masters. And obviously, I mean, I, I'm going to put this around. Everyone going for the million this week. Everyone's trying to win big money um, as opposed to the, you know, sort of head-to-heads or, or smaller cash games. Let's talk GPP for a minute here. And what is your theory on, first of all, how contrarian do you need to be? And secondly, are we going studs and, for lack of a better term, you know, I hate it, but studs and duds. Or are we going with a balanced lineup? And, and, and what in the past has won these kind of tournaments uh, at the major championships? Yeah, it varies. And, and the Masters, you always get really soft pricing. So you can make star-studded teams. So I lean a little bit more balanced, uh, even though you can make a quote-unquote balanced team with uh, a couple tie-in guys. But I think there's so many plays in that, like, 8 to 9K range. Uh, I think we both are kind of in love with that range. So I think there's the most equity there. Um, you know, the $20 tournament, you know, $4 million total prize pool on DraftKings. Definitely need to get contrarian. I'd recommend leaving money on the table. Uh, that's going to have a lot of recreational people, um, which is going to be great. A lot of people are going to, uh, you know, just be firing in chalky lineups. And you'll see some really Love the parachuters. Get, you know, throw some tigers and some that, fills in those lineups. That's a little different and leave some money on the table, and I'd really focus on it. What I'm most interested in is this $4,500 buy-in, and I know that's out of the range for most people. It's only 500 people. $2 million prize pool, Jason. $4,500. First place is a million. Second place, uh, something like, uh, gosh, what is second place? Something crazy. Here it is. Payout structure. First place, cool million bucks on your $4,500. Second, 125K. 875K swing. We could we could see that take place on the 18th green in like the final group. It's going to be absolutely yeah. That's but that's very 500 possible. people. You only have to get first out of 500. So I mean that's about as good of a shot. And there's there's some other spots like this, you know, with how big DFS has gotten and DraftKings runs these a lot, where you can give yourself a real chance to win a million bucks. Um, Do you promise to use the team that we are about to pick here on the pod in that contest? I cannot promise, but I will highly consider it. <laughs> I understand the majority of people are not going to be playing that contest. Well, you can't relate. If you are going to play something higher stakes, there's a five, 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 eight hundred K tournament. Um, you know, even like the hundred dollar, uh, the one fifty three max. Um, just depending on your bankroll. Uh, but if you're playing a little higher stakes, the field is going to be a lot sharper, and ownerships can consolidate around the highest equity plays. 
So you definitely need to get contrarian in a different type of way. You know, on the $20, I think you can still play some higher chalk guys to a degree, but you need to make sure you have some really low-owned guys to give yourself a chance at the million. And these other spots, like, you can make some really good teams where you don't have to go crazy, like, wacky. But, um, you know, if you fade a couple of the really high-owned guys and high stakes that are clearly the highest equity plays for a reason, that's where you can gain a lot of leverage versus the field. Okay. Want to be a DFS millionaire? You're just one lineup away. We're going to go nose to nose with him. And you're going to play better than you ever dreamed of. Because, God damn it, that's what I demand of you. So let's get drafting. Let's get to our lineup. And uh, I will let you go first. And, uh, Peter, I, I almost want to write down six names right now. And I bet that I could, like, come very close to, based on how we've talked over the last hour of this podcast, very close to figuring out where both of us are going. But um, why don't you go ahead and go pick first and surprise me. Okay. Um, I will take Bubba Watson first. Um, I really like Bubba this week. Uh, it's not spending too much. I get our lineup off to kind of – we can go a lot of directions with Bubba. He sets up perfectly here. The history is there. I love, love, love the ball striking. He's talked about how he's gotten rid of some anxiety. I think no fans really helps Bubba. And uh, I just, I, yeah, the ball striking yeah. is so freaking good. And it's such yep. a good golf course for him. 9,000 is a, a pick that I really like. You know who else gets helped by no fans? Patrick Reed. Patrick Reed had fans yelling at him at Kapalua earlier this year. Like, there's only, like, I've been out to Kapalua. I've covered that event six or seven times. There's usually, like, 12 people on the golf course, and, and like, most of them are just watching the whales. There, there is no one that is heckling you at Kapalua, and yet Patrick Reed found a guy to heckle him with his final putt out there. So uh, having no fans on the golf course at Augusta should be right up Patrick Reed's alley uh, once again. And, and I think that at 9,200, he is a very strong DraftKings play. Okay. We might need to get a little more contrarian after this pick. Um, I, I'm not sure on how owned this guy is going to be. His betting market stuff's moved, so I have a feeling he might be somewhat owned. But Justin Rose at 7,700 mm-hmm. is someone I really like. And we have three guys here that can compete, that certainly could win. Uh, and we still have basically a little under what our average salary is. I know there's a guy you like. I have a couple guys I can go more contrarian on, but uh, Justin Rose I think makes a lot of sense in DFS. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. Uh, you know what? Somehow we didn't really mention this guy when we got into kind of the third tier of players, but um, almost skipped over him just a little bit. But what do you think about Abraham answer this week? Well, I like him. I mean, the ball striking is clearly there. Um, Right. I'm more than fine with answer. I mean, I I believe he is also a master's debutante, but uh, one. Yeah. uh, That's the one thing. And I just, I don't think it's as big a deal as it was 10 years ago. Well, I just think these guys. Guy. I don't think he'll be super popular. Okay, I, I think these guys have figured out this golf course a little quicker than they used to, and I think these guys are becoming smarter about just marking up their books and and figuring things out around Augusta National, talking to people who have played the golf course in competition. So, uh, Abraham, answer seventy four hundred on the squad. Okay. okay, all right. I'm going to let you pick our stud. Uh, we're both really high in Sebastian Munoz. Mm-hmm. I, I think he's one of the clear standouts uh, on DraftKings 6,700. I really like him. So um, that will leave you 10K. Ooh. I love DJ. I mean, spending all the money, I don't know. That's a, that, that's a, that's a your call. Uh, and yeah, we can leave some money on the table. I mean, I think all these guys are interesting all the way down to, you know, Fino at 8,800. So where are you going with 10K to round out our lineup? I really want to spend all the money here. I really want to spend all the money. DJ at 10K is just sitting there staring at us. Are, are you telling me not to do it? Do you think this will be oh, a dude, duped Jason, lineup? It's and, in your hands. No, I, I need I need. I mean, the highest projected lineup is obviously Dustin Johnson right there. But from a contrarian standpoint, uh, spending all the money, and it's kind of a chalky lineup. Not not overly chalky, but kind of. Okay, so. But it's. I mean, I, I'm not going to be upset if you take DJ. I think DJ for, is right there the, as a favorite. For the listeners out there, if I was just doing this, picking what I thought would be the best lineup, I'd probably take Dustin Johnson. That said, there's a guy that I actually have ranked higher than DJ on my list. And so maybe this isn't so contrarian. But I'm going to leave 1,200 on the table. I'm going Tony Finau. 
This is contrarian. This is how you get somebody. No one's going to leave 1,200 on the table, and this team could easily win. Yes. Abraham Answer, Tony Finau, Sebastian Munoz, Patrick Reed, Justin Rose, Bubba Watson. I love Let's that leave team. 1,200 on the table, and it feels like we have, like, the absolute stars. Absolutely, yeah. That's I mean, I, there, there, there would be a – I think a lot of people would make a lineup like this. I, I don't think it's so contrarian, but they'd make a lineup and then say, well, Munoz is 6,700. I can spend – 1200 more and get somebody at 79 or answers at 74. I can get somebody at 86 instead. And, and you want to, you want to sort of say, Hey, you know, how much more can I spend and use up that max money? But I, I like leaving money on the table this week, especially. In the no one would have this lineup in the $20. I think this would be a loan, which is what you need. 25% of the money to first place. You need to have your lineup be unique. All right. We're in with that lineup, leaving 2,500 out there, or 1,200 out there, sorry. Perfect. I'm stoked, man. We got the gimme. Or, I mean, we'll be chatting throughout the week. I mean, it's going to be awesome. Masters it's going to be great. We've got so much content on GolfBet. I mean, I think I wrote three more columns in the time that we uh, were talking during this podcast. I, I've literally I, – I woke up. We are recording right now. It is 11.02 p.m. Eastern time. On Monday evening, I woke up at 7.17 a.m. this morning. I have not stepped out of my office for the last, uh, what is it now, 16 hours. And I've basically just been grinding over uh, all sorts of stats and content. And I know a lot of our other guys as well. Action Network and uh, and Golf Bat with so much cool stuff going on this week for the Masters. Uh, this, is, this is our Super Bowl. We have waited a long time for this one. And it is going to be fantastic this week. And as Peter mentioned, the gimme Wednesday, eight thirty p.m. Eastern time. Um, the show is uh, moving into high gear right now, so you guys definitely do not want to miss it this week. We're going to do our betting wheel. We are going to uh, pick our favorites from the the bottom tier, and uh, we're going to have some cool giveaways as well. So stay tuned to everything we're doing on social media for Golf Bet as well. So uh, Pete, thanks so much. Um, this was fantastic and. Uh, hopefully we help some people out this week because this is going to be uh, truly a it's a huge betting week maybe more so than we've ever seen before in the history of the game for sure it is got pj tour golf bet there's partnerships with all the uh, operators DraftKings contests are bigger than ever i'm here in colorado there's betting options limits are five six times higher than they normally are for golf it is fantastic so jason so much fun uh good luck this week and look forward to seeing you on the gimme Thanks so much, man. This was a blast. And um, thanks, everyone out there for listening. And enjoy the Masters this week. And here's, as always, hoping that you guys get the great. We're finished talking.